0: Hey folks, it's Brian Cook, your host here, with a few words from this week's sponsor, the book Wrapped in You by Jennifer Dawson. Zach Monroe did a very bad thing long ago, and that mistake left his teenage sweetheart with an injury that will never fully heal. Consumed with guilt, he hasn't spoken to his family or Sophie in years. But when his little sister unexpectedly passes away, Zach decides it's time to bury the hatchet and make amends to his brothers by moving back home to complete a renovation their sister had started on an old historic home. And the realtor hired to sell the house when they're finished? None other than Sophie Allen, the girl Zach could never forget. Determined to show Zach that the past didn't ruin her future, Sophie is willing to take a gamble on a second chance on love if only she can convince Zach to remove his tool belt once in a while. Captivating and sexy, Wrapped in You by Jules Bennett whisks the reader away to the warms of a small southern town where renovations aren't the only thing heating up the bedroom. Available now wherever books are sold and at kensingtonbooks.com.
1: Now entering Nerdist.com
0: Hello and welcome to episode 161 of the Competitive Verotic Fan Fiction Podcast. I'm your host Brian Cook and you've found the internet's number one most trusted source for Muppet boners and horny loners. Upcoming shows include April 17th at the Virgil in Los Angeles. We are taping that show for the Comedy Show Show on the CISO app. Uh, It's going to be a great one. There's an all-star lineup, including Moshe Kasher, Dave Hill, Eliza Skinner, Ian Carmel, and more. May 15th will be at Union Hall in Brooklyn, and June 2nd through 5th at the Bridgetown Comedy Festival in Portland, Oregon. Today's show was recorded February 21st at the Virgil in Los Angeles, featuring Connor McSpadden, Baron Vaughn, Jack Allison, Megan Keister, and Barbara Home, reading pieces they wrote in advance based upon topics of their choosing. Enjoy. Please give it up for your first round one competitor who's brought a prepared piece, Mister Connor McSpadden,
1: and also Joe Dosh. I didn't know if you were going to announce Joe. Oh, Joe. Uh, all right. Well, I brought a piece today uh, entitled "King of the Thrill." Joe will be playing Mr. Hank Hill. (laughs) On the afternoon of Peggy's 45th birthday, she had only one present on her mind. It was one she had gotten for herself. Well, Hank was going to give it to her, but he didn't know that yet. The patriarch of the Hill family walked into the kitchen from his weekly Sunday cleaning of the rain gutters. He slipped off his work gloves and allowed himself a satisfied sigh. Oh, maintenance. Hank. Hank, called Peggy from the bedroom. Can you help me with something in here? Sure thing, birthday gal, replied Hank. He was unsure of what Peggy needed his help with, but to be safe, he grabbed the kitchen can of WD-40 from the junk drawer and headed down the hall to the bedroom. As he walked, he thought to himself, Such a shame to keep such a useful product in something called a junk drawer. He shook the can as he walked and fixed the small red straw to the applicator for increased accuracy. When he walked into the bedroom, Hank did something he did not think he would ever do. Drop a can of WD-40. Oh, Peggy was wearing nothing but her unmentionals. Ever the gentleman, Hank averted his eyes sheepishly with his hand over his face. Heck, if you needed some help zipping up your dress for the party, you could have warned me. Actually, I was looking for quite the opposite, replied Peggy, who tried to lick Hank's finger sexily, but it came across more like she was oh. sucking barbecue sauce off of it. Hank's eyes darting around the room anxiously noticed an issue of Cosmo on the bedside table
2: Oh, God, Peggy Do you want me to do the thing with the chocolate sauce again? We went through a whole roll of
1: shop towels last time (laughs) No, Hank, you, uh You know how you sell propane? Hank nodded reluctantly And propane accessories Peggy patted his stomach affectionately Well, I know how you feel about the propane tank but I thought it might be fun if we brought some accessories into the mix Peggy reached into a discreet brown paper bag by your bedside and pulled out a moderately sized butt plug, freshly pried out of its plastic clamshell packaging.
2: Oh, Peggy, those are for homosexuals and Californians.
1: (laughs) Actually, I've uh, been doing some reading, and they can be very pleasurable for a It's purple, for
2: God's sake, Peg. I'm a Methodist.
1: (laughs) Hank, it's my birthday. Oh, all right. Peggy bent over the king size bed with all the grace of a day ship stripper For the first time in his like Hank found himself wishing for more foreplay Lube that bad boy up and give it to me, Hank Oh, lubricant is for tractors, not sodomy
2: <laughs>
1: You're not putting that thing in dry, Hank The school will need a substitute for their substitute if you do that Hank's eyes turned to the can of WD-40 laying in the carpet he had dropped at the beginning of this nightmare of sexual exploration
2: Oh, Lord,
1: forgive me He shook the can with all the enthusiasm of a man shuffling in his shackles by the electric chair Peggy, now laid down on her stomach, was spreading her modest behind with her fingertips exposing a surprisingly ungroomed asshole. Its pink eye surrounded by a ring of short black hair not unlike a crown of thorns. Hank thought again of Jesus and shuddered. Oh. Hank winced, and with his head turned away, he sprayed the WD-40 onto her puckered chair like it was a sticky bolt in need of wrenching. The cold mist hit Peggy, and she quivered in anticipation. Oh, yeah. Hank held the butt plug with all the clumsiness of a caveman that had been given an iPhone.
2: Oh, God, why do they have to make it football-shaped?
1: <laughs> Holding the base gingerly between his thumb and forefinger, Hank delicately mushed the poop stopper against his wife's dung cave. She moaned in excitement at the forbidden pleasure. Realizing he was only prolonging the inevitable, he placed his palm on the flat bottom edge and strong-armed it like he was framing a door and pushing it into place. <laughs> Peggy's eyes shot open as big as Texas as she realized her mistake. She tried to scream, but her breath had gone the way of her anal virginity and disappeared a million thoughts raced through her mind but the main one was I should have gone the next size down her stomach curdled by this new addition of mass to her inside she projectile vomited the spaghetti and meatballs she had prepared the night before onto the checkered quilt that covered their bed the scene looked like a picnic gone horribly horribly wrong
2: Whoa, oh
1: god I need to get the shop back <laughs> no, Hank, you need to get it out of me. I'm gonna... More spetegging and meatballs came flowing out of the birthday girl, rocketing out of her like a Hail Mary thrown from Don Meredith. Wincing harder than ever, Hank tried to pry his hands underneath the airtight seal of the butt plug, but his nails were too mild manicured to create a fulcrum, and the WD-40 was doing his job exactly as well as he knew it would. <laughs> Hank looked to the ceiling and cried out in his mind at the futility of the situation. Oh, how could it get any worse? At that moment, the bedroom door burst open.
2: Surprise! Surprise!
1: Standing in the doorway, Bobby dropped a birthday cake decorated in frosting with notable female educators. Con laughed maniacally while Min and Connie stood agape with horror. Buck Strickland took off his 10 gallon hat and used it to cover the eyes of his floozy of the week. Boomhauer was speechless for the first time in his life. Luann and Buckley's angel looked into each other's eyes, unable to believe what they were seeing. Dale took off his sunglasses while John Redcorn held Nancy tight. Joseph placed his hand on Bobby's shoulder in sympathy. The whole town was there, even Joe Jack, honey. <laughs> Dooley poked his head over the threshold of the bathroom to say, Your mom's a slut.
2: Whoa! Oh, all right! Everybody get out right now!
1: John Redcorn spoke up. You know I can show you some stretches that will help you the next time you do that. Nancy nodded in solidarity.
2: You're gonna need to do some stretches to get my foot out of your ass, John Redcorn. Now
1: get out! <laughs> Cotton Hill waddled into the room. You're supposed to use that on Hank, Peggy. Morse, but Peggy and meatballs came up. It was getting harder and harder to tell if the contents were lubricated by marinara or blood. Oh, damn it, Dad! Just then, Bill Dotrieve burst into the room. Sorry I missed the big surprise, Peggy. I was working on your present. I'm not much of a painter, but I I hope you enjoy the... As soon as Bill saw what everyone was looking at, he did what was perhaps the only Southern gentleman-like thing he ever did, which was faint like a proper dandy, and in doing so, he fell right onto the birthday girl's back. Peggy gurgled in horror as Bill's girth collapsed her stomach and sent the butt plug rocketing out of her hairy shitter like her 8th grade science class's potato gun. <laughs> it ricocheted off the ceiling and hit the photo of Hank's mother that sat on the bedside table.
2: Oh, Ladybird! no! I just treated your coat with
1: vitamin E! Hank's beloved dog had slipped into the fray unnoticed by the rest and picked up the slimy purple toy, thinking that this was an elaborate game of keep-away. She bolted out of the room with the enthusiasm of a puppy. Freshly unobstructed, Peggy's asshole let a colonic bilge that would appeal even the triple-varnished pain of the Hill residents. Dale lit a cigarette. You know, Hank, I'm an expert on the grassy knoll, but not the gassy knoll. <laughs> Bobby swallowed his deep-seated trauma just long enough to confront his father. This is fine, but my troll dolls are out of the question, huh? Hank's entire world had collapsed just as quickly as his wife's prolapsed anus. He looked around at his friends and family that could no longer respect him as block captain, his son who would never again absorb his life lessons, and last to his beloved Peggy, whom he would never see the same way again. He had failed all of them. These eyes aren't fit to see the beauty of Texas. Hank gave his can of WD-40 one last shake before emptying the remaining contents into his open eyes, rendering them blind. On the bright side, he was blinking smoother than ever. (laughs) Hank had never been one to take from foreign cultures But at a time like this, the Japanese ritual suicide Seppuku seemed fitting Bewildered, the would-be guests of the unconscious Peggy Hill's birthday party looked on As Hank opened his multi-tool to the serrated knife Which he plunged into his beer gut And ran up his throat like he was gutting a fish (laughs) A confused ladybird trotted up to her master And dropped the butt plug at his feet The king was dead (laughs) That's it
0: (laughs) Connor McSpan and Joe Dosh One more time Keep it going for Megan Keister. All the way to the microphone for your guests this evening. We got one rule and one rule only. You clap for these motherfuckers until they get to that mic. There it is. There
3: Thank it you is. so much, Brian. Wow. Oh, is it? I thought this was a awake <laughs> <laughs> Audibly nervous, I could practically feel his sweat drip through the telephone receiver. Would I cough? Would I... <clears throat> Would I be okay with servicing both him and his girlfriend? Sure, I said. After all, being accommodating was my job. A picky call girl is really a picked call girl. After assuring him our dalliance would be held in the strictest of confidence, I wrote down his address, 935th Avenue, and hung up the phone. Half hour later, I tepidly knocked on the door of his Upper East Side apartment. I smoothed the fabric of my knee-length plaid skirt. He had requested I dress as a 40s girl, replete with ankle socks and Buster Brown saddle shoes. Well, I found the jail nature of the outfit perverse, so it certainly worn w- worse in the line of duty. I could hear the faint strains of indeterminate jazz, the kind of which makes dumb cunts you know jack shit about the genre, exclaim, Oh my god, I love jazz! <laughs> Emanate from his co-op. The door opened, revealing one of those interchangeably interesting apartments synonymous with New York's intellectual elite. Hundreds of books, the subject matter of which overwhelmingly revolved about two subjects, the Holocaust and the films of Igmar Bergman, <laughs> sat on every surface, rivaled only in attention by a wall-sized image of South Vietnamese General Nguyen Ngoc Lone, holding a gun to the head of National Lib- Lib- Liberation Front member Nguyen Van Lem. My caller, a slend- slender middle-aged Semite in horn-rimmed glasses, greeted me. I recognized him instantly. My name is Alan, he said, extending a clammy palm, but you can call me Woody. "'Don't mind if I do,' I replied, glancing down at the swollen member straining the zipper of his gabardine pants. A demure girl who must have been 19, assuming her age wasn't in question on account of lack of a proper birth certificate, sat on the couch chewing bubblegum while flipping through a copy of Highlights magazine. (laughs) (laughs) And this,' he said, gesticulating toward her, "'is Soon-Yi.'" I pushed the formality of her legality out of my mind and chose instead to stare at her budding nubile young breasts, the erect nipples of which were visible through the thin cotton of her Mickey Mouse tank top.
2: <laughs>
3: she stood up and bowed, not because she was Asian, but because she was a polite. A sly smirk crossed her lips. "'You like Mickey Mouse?' I asked in a vain attempt to make conversation. She meekly nodded, her slim smile still latched tight across her face. I could tell she wouldn't be talking much. "'Pardon the gaucheness of this question,' I asked my host, "'but aren't you nebbish former comedian Woody Allen, and isn't this your girlfriend's daughter?' The year, for the purposes of this story, was 1992. Sorry I didn't mention that sooner. Hey, don't knock incest, Woody sweatily quipped, awkwardly running his fingers through his thinning red hair. It's sex with someone my de facto wife adopted. <laughs> Do you understand the reference? <laughs> the unbrand nature of his retort sent shivers down my spine. My clit twitched in anticipation of both the bawling and the bon mots that were soon to come. I fantasized about being taken by the woodman ever since I was young enough to be perceived as sexually desirable by him, writhing my prepubescent puss against a matted teddy bear while watching crimes and misdemeanors with the sound on mute. While I had long aged out of his sexual target demo, I hoped my girlish outfit would help him ignore the fact that my brain was fully developed. The way in which he stared at my tits, ensconced in tight angora, and the fact that he paid ahead of time with a credit card put my mind at ease. Soon the Jap, Jewish-American prick, of my dreams would enter me, filling me with his wild man spooge. I couldn't wait for him to teach me everything I always wanted to know about sex with the man and his de facto wife's daughter, but was afraid to ask. Sure, the presence of Soon Yi threw a bit of a spanner into the works, but her demeanor implied she was more of an observer than a participant. For starters, she had to spit her gum out in order to get down to business, and I didn't foresee that happening anytime soon. She blew a perfect bubble of pale pink It exploded, sticky remnants surrounding the slit of her tiny mouth Like the folds of a hairless labia (laughs) Would you like a malted, Woody asked No thanks, I replied, I had an egg cream on the way over (laughs) Well, would you like a drink, he countered I don't drink Neither does Soon-Yi, he said, legally (laughs) He sat on the couch and slid his hand up Soon-Yi's tank top Rubbing her nipple, his mouth moved to the nape of her neck she did not put down her copy of Highlights. I stood in the vestibule and stared. While I wasn't repulsed by the sight unfurling before me, I couldn't help but notice they made a decidedly odd pair. Woody's eyes met mine. Hey, judge all you want, he said, but the hard-on wants what the hard-on wants. <laughs> I'm not here to judge, I said. I'll leave that to the think writers at Salon.com. <laughs> What's Salon.com, he asked, clearly confused. It doesn't exist yet, I replied. Thank Christ. Woody picked up a Polaroid camera from the coffee table and met, motioned towards Sun yi who positioned herself spread eagle on the couch. She had still not put down her copy of Highlights. Would you please? He asked, handing me the camera. I snapped a few pictures and threw them on the fireplace mantle. This reference, incidentally, is for the true fans. <laughs> Mia found the pictures on the mantle. <laughs> Woody then removed his trousers, revealing shapeless plaid boxers, the elastic of which had clearly given out years ago. His erect, circumcised cock peeked out from their buttonless (laughs) (laughs) pee-hole. I got on my knees and raised my hand to pull down his boxers. He stopped me midway. Keep, keep, keep them on, he muttered. And the undershirt, I asked? That, too. He coughed. I have a, um, have a, uh, have a complex about being fully nude. My analyst says it stems from childhood trauma. Uh, before he could continue... I placed his manhood in my mouth, wrapping my lips around its sizable girth. I then proceeded to blow as I had never blown before, working his shaft like an instrument and his balls like a spit (laughs) valve. His cock was a clarinet, and I was Sidney Bechet. As he stood there, moaning at the expert touch of my hand and mouth, I felt a stirring on my own genitals. I turned around to find Soon-Yi sucking my clit, engorged with blood and lust, with the aplomb of a young girl abandoned by her mother on the streets of Seoul and found eating out of garbage cans before being rescued by one of Frank Sinatra's (laughs) (laughs) ex-wives. The gum was still in her mouth, but I found the sensation of it, a rich and sticky wad pressed against my own mound of flesh, delightful. And anyhow, I had just gotten a Brazilian, so the worry of it sticking to my pubic hair was non-existent. (laughs) (laughs) That's my girl, Woody said, beaming like a proud papa as he watched Soon-Yi suck. I looked up at him, my expression clearly begging for clarification. Well, not my girl. She's not my daughter. I mean, I served as a father figure to her, but she's Mia's kid, not mine. I got my own daughter, who I would never fuck, for the record. Not that you asked, I mean, but still. <laughs> Satisfied with this response, I put my head down and continued to feast on his cock. A few minutes transpired before I realized soon Yi was no longer lapping at my pleasure dome. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see she had returned to the couch, where she was now busying herself with a Game Boy. Woody awkwardly pulled on the collar of his undershirt and cleared his throat. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm uh, coming, he spat, unleashing his hot load down my hatch. <laughs> Spent, panting, and damp with sweat, he awkwardly ran his fingers through his thinning red hair. Now, take the money and come, he told me, pointing out the door. It's a reference to Phil <laughs> To which I looked straight into the camera, shrugged, and replied, Whatever works! <laughs>
0: Megan Keister. Give it up for Jack Allison.
2: All right. Hi, everybody.
4: Um, my story is about uh, O.J. Simpson.
2: Uh,
4: <laughs> O.J. Simpson sat in the driver's seat of his 1993 White Ford Bronco. Who's parked on Bundy Drive, near the home of his ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson. He hadn't seen Nicole recently, but he was going to see her tonight, and he had a big surprise for her.
0: <laughs>
4: Nicole, Nicole Brown Simpson stepped from the front door of her condo, rifling through her messy purse to find her keys. Although everyone in her life thought she was so perfect and put together, she knew that just beneath, just beneath the surface, she was a mess, just like her purse. Tonight, her brilliant blonde hair was perfect, dazzling under the moonlight. She started down the path of beige tiles to head to her car when she looked up to find her ex-husband, O.J. Simpson, standing in front of her. O.J. was massive compared to the slight Nicole. It was as though she had almost walked into a building. After her initial alarm, she managed to blurt a question. O.J., what, what are you doing here? Then she noticed O.J. was holding something in his hand. It was a note. Which O.J. nervously unfolded, clearing his throat. Like Nicole, O.J. was different than what people thought of him. On TV, he was charming, powerful, a man's man. But the real O.J. was sensitive, anxious, uncomfortable in his own skin. (laughs) Haltingly, nervously, O.J. began to read from his note. Nicole, you know that sometimes it's hard for me to say what I'm thinking, so... That's why I had to write this down. (laughs) Nicole Brown Simpson, you are the light of my life. You are my everything. You're the mother of my children and the most beautiful woman I've ever known. Nicole interjected, Juice, I'm with Ron now. OJ held up a finger. It was hard for OJ to make eye contact because of how socially anxious he was, but now he held Nicole's gaze in his steely eyes. Just let me finish. He looked back down at his note, clutching his shaking hands. You're the most beautiful woman I've ever known. I know we've had our tough spots, but I'm ready to try again. And this time, I want to try for real. Can we try again? Uh, He looked up at her, and uh, and she saw in his eyes a vulnerability she'd never seen before. So, he said, what do you say? She let her purse fall to the ground and ran into his arms. Of course, Juice, my answer is yes. It's you, it's you, it's always been you. She wrapped her arms around his neck and put her lips to his. Like always, their kiss was magic. It was electric, explosive. It brought Nicole back to the first time uh, she'd met this athletic Adonis. She stepped back and began unbuttoning his shirt. O.J. looked to either side, furtive, nervous. Nicole, what are you doing? I just can't help myself. Now shut up before you talk some sense into me. Her hands had a mind of their own, and O.J.'s shirt fell to the ground. He stood before her. His chiseled physique was perfection. She allowed her fingers to glance at his chest before she pulled back. Nicole, she thought to herself, are you really doing this? She smiled. She knew the answer was yes. She pulled off her top, shaking out her glimmering golden blonde hair as she did. The moonlight danced on her perfect perky breasts. OJ's jaw dropped. Right here? On the walkway? Nicole shushed OJ as she laid back on the walkway <laughs> OJ knelt and, br- and brought his face close to hers for another kiss It was deep and meaningful and real it was, that, it was as though time had simultaneously slowed down and sped up Before either of them knew what was happening, he had entered her Their lovemaking was new but familiar This was the lovemaking of two people who knew each other better than anyone else in the world They had brought two lives into this world with this lovemaking, but it still felt as exciting and electric as their first time. OJ, oh OJ, Nicole moaned as she pulled his manhood deeper inside of her. Nicole, OJ whispered, this just feels so right. She brought her lips to his ear. I know. (laughs) They climaxed simultaneously on the tile walkway, but they could have been anywhere or nowhere. Their world was only them. Nicole moaned in ecstasy as pleasure shuddered through her body. She looked into the eyes of her lover and knew that he was her one and only soulmate. Moments later, OJ and Nicole had just finished putting their clothes back on. They needed to catch up for lost time, but it felt almost as though no no time had passed at all. They were already talking about how Nicole was going to rearrange the living room of what would now be their home. (laughs) OJ smiled at Nicole. Nicole Brown Simpson, I love you. She (laughs) smiled back. And I love you, OJ. OJ. And then a trickle of blood dripped from the corner of her smile. She fell to her knees, clutching a gaping wound at her side. Standing beside her, behind her was Ron Goldman with a crazed look in his eye and a bloody knife in his hand. OJ was stunned, almost unable to speak. Ron, what have you done? Ron stabbed Nicole over and over. OJ winced with every wound. It was almost as though he was being stabbed. Ron, what are you doing? Ron laid his crazed glare on OJ A sick smile spreading across his face If I can't have her Then no one will They're gonna put you away for this You sick son of a bitch Actually OJ They're gonna put you away for this Ron pulled the knife from Nicole's body And pointed it directly at himself Then using all his strength Stabbed himself over and over again Ron smiled through the pain Blood pouring from his smiling mouth They're gonna think you killed me and her. Who would ever believe you, one of the most beloved sports heroes of all time? Ron cackled until his last breath, crumbling to the floor next to Nicole's body. OJ was stunned. He didn't know what to do. A glove he planned to return because it was too small fell out of his jacket. (laughs) Nicole let out a small cough. OJ gasped and knelt down next to her. Nicole, you're still alive. I I can't believe it. I'm not going to make it, OJ. He knew just from looking at her that she was right. Before I go, I I want you to promise me anything, he said. Promise me that, that you won't let him get away with this. That you won't let him win. Promise me that no matter what, that you stay free. I think I can do that, Nicole. I think I can do that for you. She smiled. I love you, OJ. I always have. And then he watched as the life drained from the eyes of his one and only soulmate. And then three weeks later, Robert Kardashian sucked Howard Weitzman's dick.
3: <laughs>
4: but that's a story for another
2: time. Jack Allison, keeping over for
5: Barbara Holmes. Padded through her floral printed kitchen, turned on the radio, and was happily surprised that her friend John Lennon's band was playing. She poured herself a cup of coffee and sat down in front of her typewriter to work on her article for Miss Magazine. She pushed her large, stylish glasses up her perfect ski slope nose and began typing, typing, rapidly fingering the keys. It was 1969, and just another groovy day in the life of acclaimed feminist journalist Gloria Sinem. (laughs) Just then, a light twinkled, and a woman magically appeared in the kitchen. Gloria recognized her immediately. How is this possible? You're you're me. Hi, Gloria, said the older Gloria, silver-haired and gorgeous. I am you, from the future. I've come back here to warn you about something important. Younger Gloria listened politely, never one to interrupt another woman. The article you're about to write about transgender surgery, while it might seem progressive to you now in 1969, will one day eat away at you as a piece of privileged cisgender nonsense you wish you could take back. I'm writing from the year 2016, and I beg of you, don't write that article. Younger Gloria arched an eyebrow. Wait, you're from 2016? So we're 81? I'm sorry for objectifying you, Gloria, but you're fucking hot as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Older Gloria smiled warmly. That's because feminism is sexy.
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs> Dro- droplets of sweat beaded atop Gloria's smooth forehead, glistening against her skin and spelling out Beth Bell Hooks quotes. <laughs> <laughs> Younger Gloria swept everything off the kitchen table. The notebooks and papers clattered to the floor, falling just as the shackles of puritanical slut-shaming. She said, Gloria, sign them. With your consent, I would love to ravage the fuck out of your body. Older Gloria reached out and touched young Gloria's thick, dark brown hair, kissing her sensuously on her beautiful, pouty lips. Younger Gloria Sinem lifted her older self and laid her down on the table. Their wet, luscious tongues were intertwined like two women passing the Bechtel test. <laughs> <laughs> Younger Gloria ran her hand up 81-year-old Gloria Sinem's skirt, caressing her vericrous, veined leg with the same tender attention that she gave to every civil rights movement. <laughs> older Gloria whispered, "I'm going to make you wetter than a fish's bicycle." Younger Gloria said, Younger Gloria said, "I thought that metaphor was originally proposed by Irina Dunn, not us." "Shh," said Older Gloria, then she added, "Sorry, I'm not silencing you." Women shouldn't say sorry so much, said Gloria. Oh my god, that's so hot, said Gloria. (laughs) Older Gloria kissed younger Gloria's long neck and gently bit her ear just as she had taken a bite out of society's treatment of women in the sex industry. (laughs) Younger Gloria's thick, dark hair fell over her face in a beautiful wave, a feminist third wave. (laughs) Older Gloria breathed against younger Gloria's smooth neck much as she had breathed life into feminist activism journalism. You're so beautiful adhering to the beauty standards perpetuated by the patriarchy designed to keep us submissive, <laughs> said Gloria Sinem. I can think of some other ways I could be submissive, said Gloria Sinem. <laughs> older Gloria flipped younger Gloria over so she was on top. The flab on the back of older Gloria's arms softly grazed younger Gloria's skin. Her legs parted widely, much in the same way that younger feminist voters parted from Hillary Clinton's campaign. <laughs> Younger Gloria looked up at 81-year-old Gloria. You're so strong, older Gloria said. Yeah, it's from years of fighting the patriarchy. (laughs) Older Gloria gently nuzzled the collarbone of younger Gloria. She lifted her shirt much as she lifted the roles of women in the government and the media. (laughs) Their spectacles clashed together in a sweaty mashing movement like a first-wave and fourth-wave feminist clashing on any feminist issue regarding race. (laughs) I'm going to fucking dominate you physically, said the icon for the movement to increase sex workers' safety. Older Gloria reached her fingers into younger Gloria Sinem's hairy pussy. Younger Gloria Sinem's pussy was much like the Playboy Mansion swimming pool that she had infiltrated for an expose. (laughs) Wet and full of cum. (laughs) her pussy was tighter than the restrictions placed on women's reproductive rights back then (laughs) Gloria Sinem caressed and licked Gloria Sinem's glorious hymen (laughs) she fingered her pussy and asshole which were named Jane Addams and Eleanor Roosevelt respectively Older Gloria fluttered her fingers gently and swiftly against younger Gloria's G-spot. She pressed against the G-spot as she had pressed against the glass ceiling. (laughs) (laughs) The G-spot is elusive, much like gender equality. 81-year-old Gloria deftly triggered the G-spot and induced vaginal orgasm, and young Gloria Steinem squirted all over the kitchen table. Younger Gloria panted and heaved on the table, her soft, round, perfect breasts rising and falling like Hillary Clinton's approval rating among young women voters. The Glorias rolled over the table in a display of empowered sexuality that was simply glorious. Younger Gloria kissed down older Gloria's wrinkly coarse skin. Her summit caved in like the patriarchy eventually will. Younger Gloria reached for her American Civil Liberties Union trophy and then shoved it deep into Gloria Sinem's pussy. "'This is amazing,' said younger Gloria Sinem. "'I didn't even know that I was bisexual.'" uh, uh, older Gloria moaned that kind of binary language exemplifies what I came back to 1969 to warn you about gender is a prison much like your pussy Sunday, suddenly younger Gloria understood everything about gender politics intersectionality, more, more like intersexionality. a wave of knowledge poured over her body as she convulsed in orgasmic elation, then all the and in, in all of the different dimensions came, squirting in a beautiful rainbow of common feminist magic the next day 81 Gloria, year old Gloria Sinem woke up back in 2016 and it felt just a little bit different than, than it had been the day before uh, mostly because all of the men now lived underground in caves. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Welcome home.
0: And keep it going for your final round one competitor, Baron Bond.
6: <laughs> <Yo. coughs> Hello. <coughs> oh. The dark silence of space was interrupted by the joyous play of Wally and Eve. The noisy fun they made together would even make Neil deGrasse Tyson smile instead of saying, There's no sound in space. <laughs> These strangely gendered robots flew around the giant spaceship Eve with her native rocket equipment, Wally with his fire hydrant, leaving spiral patterns in the vacuum of space as if to say, We were here and we were in robot love. They entered the hatch of the ship and were separated once again, Eve following her directive program to another hidden piece of this labyrinthian leviathan, and Wally scrambling to find her. Now he found himself in a huge room with dim lighting. He could see undulating shapes in front of him, unable to make them out. But once he fixed his cute little binocular eyes, they were immediately steamed up. What could possibly be in this room that's causing so much humidity? He squeegeed his eyes and saw in front of him a giant mass of sweaty humans. Some big, some even bigger. They were on top of each other, behind each other, rubbing, heaving, moaning. Some of them were involving their chairs in this orgiastic coming together of parts. Humans might have forgotten how to walk, but they hadn't forgotten how to fuck. (laughs) Wally looked around, not knowing what to make of this scene. He wheeled around the open areas, taking in what was happening. He could see penises, vaginas, fingers, tongues, elbows, all touching and rubbing. Some of the humans had a penis and a vagina. Some had penises with two heads. Of course, Wally's interpretation of all this was that somehow these people were connected and connecting. This was a much more stimulating image to witness than that musical number that showed the hand-holding, Fuck that amateur bullshit. (laughs) Now he wanted to do this with Eve. As he's made his way through the clearing, two people opened their eyes and saw Wally. George, look, a robot is watching us. Oh, shit, Martha. That's so hot. I've always wanted a machine to see this. I wonder if I can fit it into my ass. My finger in your booty ass isn't enough, George? That's not what I mean. Right at that moment, a door in the floor, make, a door on the floor opened, making Wally fall down, down, and even further down. He caught himself stretching his wheels and arms to the sides of the hole and began to climb. He was about to reach the top of the hole when a big human ass landed right on the top hole, and a familiar voice said, Let's see if he climbs into here. Unfortunately for the man, and fortunately for Wally, the human ass knocked his grip loose, and he plummeted down the hole, eventually landing in a pile of trash. He was in the garbage sector. He was happy not to be smashed into a million pieces, but not happy to land next to a diaper. He jumped up to get away from the diaper and ran right into a wall, knocking himself and his robot back. Oh, Wally. (laughs) Cat, smiley face. As he shook himself off and picked himself up, he heard distant crying. Robot crying. Robot crying accompanied with an electronic sniffle. And there, on the other side of the wall, sitting on a pile of used... (laughs) on a pile of used condoms was Eve while he saw Eve upset and just tore him apart he slowly made his way over to her she looked at him taking him in for a second and looked back down as if to say who gives a flying fuck she was able to convey that the plant she had found on earth was now missing and the powers that be decided she was garbage and tossed her down the hatch she was able to explain all that with a gesture and her slow 8-bit voice repeating the word directive wally was taken aback by her bummer demeanor he wanted to make her feel better but how holding hands that's it he extended his mechanic hand to hers but nothing doing this was not going to solve the problem wait he knew what to do he just came from a room where he saw humans in a really good mood he opened up his wheels to expose the area in between and there was his little hard drive all he needed to do was find Eve's port, insert his drive, and they could download all day and all night. <laughs> she was too busy being upset to notice Wally looking around her body for her port. He grew more and more frustrated, worried he might never get to share his nanobite with Eve. He began to push it against her white titanium body, just knocking against her over and over with more and more frustration, until Eve looked up to see what he was doing. Wally! she exclaimed, quickly aiming her laser arm at him and levitating away. The disappointment in her LED eyes was clear. Wally stood there pumping away like a dog in heat. He didn't know what the problem was. Eve looked at him and said, "'Consent!' before flying away up an escape hatch. <laughs> Wally contemplated the word while, he, while his hard drive turned blue. <laughs> he watched her float away forever. Defeated, he turned around to go back to what must be his natural place, next to the diaper. But once he faced that direction, who should Wally see but that cleaner robot? The cleaner robot took a look at Wally and how dirty he was. Then it took a look at Wally's little blue hard drive protruding from in between the wheels. That was the dirtiest part of all. The cleaner robot turned on its little Norelco shaver looking cleaning device and began to rub the hard drive. Wally's eyes went wide. What was happening to him? His circuits were on fire. He now understood what was happening in the orgy room, and he felt a rumbling from his robot root as as the cleaner bot stroked his hard drive while he felt a rising up inside him. He felt like he was going to take off. He didn't know what it was. He was going to, oh, oh,
2: oh.
6: Baron, you can stay right here.
0: Lead all around one competitors back to the stage you guys are going to be voting on a winner momentarily uh, first I'm just going to remind you of what everybody read and uh, then in a second you're going to be voting with your applause on your favorite we started with Connor McSpadden with King of the Hill I think he had to run off to a different show then uh, Megan Keisha with Woody Allen, Jack Allison with OJ Simpson Barbara Holm with Gloria Steinem and Baron Vaughn with WALL-E pick a favorite with your applause starting with Connor McSpadden, King of the Hill Megan Keister, Woody Allen Jack Allison, O.J. Simpson uh, Barbara Holm, Gloria Steinem And Baron Vaughn, Wally that, that one whistle just loved everybody equally uh, Your round with Jimmy, Barbara Holm with Gloria Steinem, let her hear it That does it for round one. To hear round two, you can download episode 162 next week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And for details on upcoming shows, you can follow me on Twitter at Brian cooking or the show at CEFanfic. See you next time.
6: Now leaving nerdist.com.